All right, I hope you're ready. I mean, we're, we're diving in. Happy New Year, everybody. 2023, here we go. I'm, I'm surprised I actually got that date right. It's kind of surprised myself there. It's, it's going to take a while. We are doing a series called Joshua. I want to welcome you if you're online. I want to say welcome to everyone that's online as well. We're diving into this character, Joshua, and this is the first week, Spy Week. We're going to look at a spy encounter. Actually, there's two major spy encounters in Joshua's life. And if you've ever thought of just the, the Old Testament in a very macro sense, like what is God in the oldest book, guys, that's ever written? What is God saying? In the book of Genesis, very simply, this nation of Israel is born. In the book of Exodus, the, the second book of the Torah, uh, Israel's chosen. In the next book, the book Numbers, Israel's proven. In Leviticus, Israel's brought close by blood. It's a book of blood. And through blood, we always come close. And then in Deuteronomy, this is so important. Deuteronomy is Israel's instructed. This is a book of instructions, details. Like this is the owner's manual. Every time you get something new, you're like, oh, I can't do that. And you throw it away. And then three builds later, you know, you're back building it the right way. Okay, that's what Deuteronomy is, right? Joshua, in Joshua, Israel faces conflict and conquest. The, the whole book of, of Joshua is a book of conquest and conflict. But the one word that I would really point everything to, the, the sole premise of the book of Joshua is a book about possession, Joshua is a book about possession. The spy, the warrior, the leader, the statesman, all of these things in Joshua's life is about possession. And what is so incredible about the Old Testament is the Israel in the Old Testament is very much kind of like a metaphor for us in our lives. Because God is a God that never changes. Who he was yesterday, he is today, he will be tomorrow. We have an unchanging God. So the way God interacts with the nation of Israel, when Israel will do what I do. Israel will come to God and need God and everything will be great. Then Israel will get comfortable. Israel will walk away from God. It will have another God in place of God. Then Israel will be disciplined for that. Say, oh no, I need God. Run back to God. This is the repetitive cycle of the nation of Israel. Maybe if you're honest today, as you start a new year and you reflect on years past and you have hope for the year in front of you, if you're honest, maybe you would say, I look back on my life and I see some of the attributes of Israel in my life that I will run to God, then things get great, I don't need him as much, and I will go to other things, and then I get a wake-up call. And So if we study how God interacts with Israel, his goodness, his kindness, his pursuit, his love, his patience, and his discipline, his instruction, all of these things, because he is a God who never changes, will tell us how God is going to interact with us. What is God going to do in my life? How is God going to treat me? How does he treat Israel? What does he do with Israel? It's this incredible construct for us understanding what he has to say to us about possession. Now, if you have a journal with you, or you, I'm a fan of writing in all of the white space I can find in my Bible. If you've got your phone out and you take notes, here's something very critical. I want to say this at the beginning ownership, your rights to ownership, your ownership of all the things that God has given you, that is unconditional. Get that. When you become a Christian, the Spirit of God lives in you. You have 
ownership of some things. That ownership is unconditional. You did nothing to buy it. You cannot buy it. It is a free gift. But your possession of it, that is conditional. Your possession is going to, you're like, well, what is the difference? What is, I want to tell you about the difference between ownership rights and use and possession. Ownership rights and possession. Ownership is, un, is unconditional. Possession is conditional in the word of God. You have to have an origin story, though. Every good like, kind of character brief has got an origin story. So I want to take you back to Joshua the spy. It actually starts in Numbers chapter 13, verse 28. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So we have 12 tribes of Israel, 12 men who are going to go for 40 days and look at the land. It says right here in Numbers, this origin story. It says, the land I have given. I'm giving this to the Israelites. Now the first time actually that Joshua is mentioned, it's a passing mention. He's fighting a battle in Exodus chapter 17 with the Amalekites. The next time Joshua is mentioned is in Exodus chapter 24. He is an assistant to Moses. Moses goes to the top of the mountain to speak with God, to get the Ten Commandments. That whole moment, Joshua is his assistant. Joshua ascends the mountain. At some point on the way to the top, Joshua's like, I'm good here, right? And Moses goes the right way. That's, that's the next time we get Joshua's name. The next time we see Joshua's name in the, in the whole uh, Bible is Exodus 32, 17. This is what I call the first congregational vote in the history of the church. The first time everyone got together and voted, it didn't go well. Um, we don't have a great track record on congregational votes. Our first congregational vote, we decided to worship a golden calf, return to our gods of Egypt, while Moses is literally on top of the mountain, face-to-face communing with God. And so we hear Joshua's name because as they're coming down, they hear a noise in the camp. God's people are punished. Joshua uh, is not because he was up the mountain. The next time we hear Joshua's name is a place called the Tent of Meeting. Joshua's name pops up, and there's something specific about Joshua in this, this point. This is Exodus chapter 33, and in this moment, Moses will go up the mountain, come down, and all of Israel's encamped in their tents. Moses will take a tent and put it outside the camp, but where everyone can see. Moses goes to the tent of meeting. A cloud from heaven descends. This is where it says Moses talks to God like a man talks face-to-face. I don't believe it is face-to-face. God's putting this anatomy to it so we can understand that it's that kind of intimacy. And Joshua is mentioned here for a very specific reason. Joshua does not want to leave that tent. All the other people stand in front of their tents with their family. You would come out of your tent, get your family. You would stand there, see the cloud descend, and then you would worship. You would worship God while Moses talks with God. And then Moses would come and say, here's the deal. I talked to God. Joshua says, I'm not leaving. I want to be as close as I can be. This week, our, uh, our young adults, we have a young adult ministry here at church, uh, college-age kids, somewhere around you know, 18 years old to 25, they went to the Passion Conference. This is an annual conference that happens. 
Sometimes Atlanta, uh, there were two this year, one simultaneously and I believe D.C., one was in Atlanta. Or if you were like uh, my family, we stayed home and watched it on the couch. So we had about 25 kids go on this trip. They're in a, an arena, like 50,000 kids in the arena, and they're hearing messages. And uh, uh, Christine Kane spoke this week and actually talked about this moment with Joshua saying, I want to be as close as I possibly can. Incredible messages this week from the Passion Conference. If you've got uh, a, a kid, if you are you know, 18 to 25 and you didn't go, um, go next time. I, I don't have to tell you. You totally missed out, right? Uh, you got to be a part of it. If you pay money for anything for a child that's somewhere between 18 and 25, make them go. Good talk. Can't wait for 2024. It's going to be awesome. Um, man, we could just stop and talk there for a while. Uh, one of my dear friends, Michael, this week, he says, he says to me, Johnny, there's so much in the life of Joshua. You know, his bravery, his courage, his obedience to God, uh, his desire um, to, to be this man of courage. But he says, of all of the things that we talk about and espouse about, and we're going to in this series, you know, Spy Day today, and then Warrior, Leader, Statesman, all of these things we looked at, where, 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 where's the stamina cultivated for Joshua to do these things that we're going to study and look at? And it's like, this is going to help you on Monday. This is going to help you in school. It's going to help you in a relationship. Where does, the, where, where does the, the guts come from? That attitude of Joshua to say, I want to be as close as I can to God. It is in that attitude right there that all of these other things are birthed from. These people are picked. They're picked by Moses, and Joshua is one of them. Joshua, Hoshea, he is renamed to Yoheshiwa, which means Jehovah saves. Yoheshiwa, Je Jehovah saves. One of the names of Jesus, our God, Jesus saves. We say time and time again that what the Old Testament is, is the, is the New Testament concealed. Well, now it's being opened up to you. You're going to see a picture in Joshua of Jesus. Numbers chapter 13, the spy story, verse 26. They're gone for 40 days. It says, they come back to Moses and Aaron and the whole community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. That's just where they're at. There, they reported to them, and to the whole assembly, and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. It does flow with milk and honey. Just a weird expression to me. I've, I've not spent a lot of time thinking about that. Um, sounds like an awesome cereal, but it would be a little bit messy to clean up. I don't know why we still use that today. It's like a, a land of milk and honey. It just sounds like a sticky mess to clean up to me, but... They're using it to describe, here's what it means. It's great. Milk and honey. It's just awesome, right? They, and they even say, here's the fruit. They're bringing back like specimens of how awesome this place is. Verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. There, there's actually rabbinic teachings of rabbis who are teaching from this text hundreds of years before Jesus is born. And they say in this text that when Moses comes to change Joshua, we call him Joshua in our English vernacular, his original name, Hoshua, Hoshia, he comes and says, your name is now going to be Yehoshia. He puts this, this 
front part on it, which actually has this kind of linkage to you're going to be saved, Jehovah saves, Yehoshua, from the conspiracy of the spies. Moses has an inclination, a premonition that these guys are going to screw the spy mission up. What Moses feels in his gut is they're about to wreck this whole thing. So I'm going to take my star, my star pupil here, Hosea, and I'm going to rename him Yo-Hosea, Jehovah saves, and that's like, I'm going, I want to bless you and kind of put a covering over you because I don't want you mixed up in their inability to come back and give the right report. Caleb stands up, and they're like, guys, it's going to be hard, they're really big. Caleb, it's kind of the star of this moment. Verse 30, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. See, they were not called to go into the land to see if they could do it. They were called to go into the land to come up with the best way to obey God and do it. That's a big difference in spying. They got, it, they got confused on the way in what their instructions were. God has already given it to them. See, they have ownership. Ownership and possession are different things. When did they have ownership? They had ownership the moment God said, I'm giving it to you. They already have rights, but they do not have possession. And we get mixed up in that same place. When you become a child of God, you go through a conversion experience. You say, I believe Jesus is who he says he was. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. We call that a confession. We repent of sins and say, I can't live up to the law. I need a Savior. Jesus, be my Savior. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm going to now go into conflict and conquest in my life. And I'm going to battle things that used to be easy to me, easy for me. And I'm going to start to battle sin and I don't want to sin anymore. I want to live like you, Jesus. That idea, that concept is repentance. When that happens, we're obedient to baptism. We're buried in Christ. God's word is clear that the Spirit of God, upon accepting Jesus, is free gift. The Spirit of God comes in us. You know what we have at that point? Ownership. You have ownership. You have a, re a reservoir in your life. And we sang the song today how we are, we are temples. And in our personal temple where the Spirit lives, we are houses of miracles. Houses where demons fear because greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in the world. So we, we have ownership. And some of us own some things like peace, love, joy, gentleness, self-control, self kindness. All of these fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, we own it, but we are not possessing it. That's what this is teaching what happens? It's actually very sad. They were supposed to march in, take it, good times are here. Instead, there's 12 spies that go in. Caleb and Joshua say, let's do it. The other 10 say, no way. They freak everyone out in Israel, and Israel says, we're not doing it, man. We're not doing it. The 10 bad spies who are disobedient, they... God sends judgment on them, a pestilence. They die right away. And then for the next generation, 40 years, God said, anyone under 20 will live to see the promised land one day. 
If you're, if you're over 20, you are a part of the disobedience. You will die walking around in the desert. And Joshua will watch everyone he knows over the age of 20 years old die in the next 40 years in the desert. This is Joshua the spy sent in to take possession of something he already owned. Just like we are called to take possession, not, not just know that we have it, but to use it. He's watching sheep. He's living in a bad land. It's hard living. It's a delayed promise. And Joshua is aware of all this when 40 years later, he's ready to go into the land again. There is a section of Scripture that I want to kind of close and read to you. It's called, it's called this divine announcement. It's this moment where God says, it's been 40 years. Are you ready now? It says this in Joshua chapter 1. Now that you have the origin story, after the death of Moses, verse 1. The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, my servant is dead. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. This is one of those times where you need to write in your Bible. You need to circle it on your phone. This is no, write it on your heart. This was said to Joshua about a specific piece of land, but we are like Israel, and God has given them some possession. He has given them ownership. They've got to go take possession. And here's what he says. I will give you every place where you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you, as it says in Hebrews. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. This great divine announcement, God wants to give you every place where you set your foot. God wants to give you every place that you set your foot. Some of you are like, that's great. I'm going to a Lexus dealership. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, if you've been around church for a while, you know what prosperity gospel is, like a gospel that's like you name something and then you can claim it and we all high five and everything's going to get better and we go out and we're just like, I have dominion over all these things. And hey, you have to understand the spirit in which this is. I want to give you some truth in your life and it's true for here right now. God wants to give you every place where you set your foot, but you have a different version of possession than God has of possession. His possession is influence for him, for people that do not know him, to come to know him all the places where you go and put your foot this week, not a corner office. And that's where that conflict and conquest comes from. Because I have things I want to possess. I am working diligently and with energy and espousing all kinds of talking and paperwork and stuff. And you are. And we're a massive, tiresome, burdensome work to possess all kinds of things. And then you're like, all I got to do is go and put my foot on it. Well, it's, 
It's, it's about our motives and w- what we're trying to possess and why we're trying to possess it. Because there are some places where you are going and you are the only person that is in that place. And God says, I want for you to have influence so everyone that is there would look to you and your love for me and say, I want to know more about Jesus. And then you would possess love, joy, and peace in places that do not know anything of it. James talks about this so pointedly. Maybe you've heard this verse from James 4.3. It speaks exactly to this idea of how we define our version of possession. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. The practical application today for us is this idea of the promised land. The promised land is not a type of heaven Because heaven is not a place of conflict and conquest. I used to grow up all the times in church. We sing hymns. I love hymns. I collect hymnals. I love them. I know a crazy amount of lyrics to hymns. And some of them, they're just not good to sing because they talk about, well, when we die, we're going to meet on the shores of the Jordan, and then we're going to enter the promised land. No. Do you know what the promised land was? The promised land was war. It's like the movie 300. You're looking at the graphic and you're like, yeah, because it was blood. They had to go in and fight bad guys. They had to fight people that worshiped other gods and other religions that did terrible things, unspeakable things, and they fought a battle and then they fought a battle and then they disobeyed God and fought a battle and lost that battle and had to go back and refight that battle and battle and battle and battle. You're like, man, that sounds like how 23 is starting out. I was like, let's go. Well, good times are here. 22, forget that. 23 is going to be great. And you woke up and you're like, man, this is like 22, but, you know, 23 is just more problems and conflict and conquest. And some of us, the fact is this, you're like, I don't know what he's talking about, all this fighting. There's no fighting in my life. If you are a believer in Jesus and there is no point in time where you feel like you are in battle, that means you are on the sidelines. You are not playing a game and you're not growing in your faith. And Jesus says this, I want you to be hot or cold because I spit lukewarm out. And I love you. And that's why I tell you that. My, like Your life has to be one of the Holy Spirit taking you by the hand and saying, all right, you ready to grow in 23? We're going to talk about this right here. We're going to go and have conflict and we're going to win and we're going to kill something like pride, bitterness, anger, contempt for another person, jealousy, fits of rage, lust. And you're like, ah, I just want some peace. Well, peace equals no growth, which equals quenching the Holy Spirit, which is you might have ownership to salvation forever in heaven. Jesus will be the judge of that. But I'm going to tell you this. What you don't have is possession. Because possession is knowing how to yield something. Possession is enjoying it. Possession is being able to pass it on. Possession is fully understanding it. Possession is yielding the power of the thing that you own. Some of us own a sword, but you can do no damage with it. You have a weapon, but you don't know how to use that weapon, and a weapon in every person's hand is not the same. You put a weapon in the hands of a skilled swordsman, it does work. You put a weapon like a sword in my hand, and it's a paperweight. If there's a book in the New Testament that exactly kind of is the sister of the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, it is the book of Ephesians. The famous chapter in Ephesians is when Ephesians talks about the armor of God. It says, take it, take it, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
And if you do not know what the word of God says, you might own a copy of it, but you do not possess it. And God is calling us to possess some things and not just own them. And 2023 might be the year for you to do that. You know, Joshua is living in a desert while he owns vineyards and there's wine from those vineyards that he's not drank for 40 years. And I just wonder if that describes some of our lives. I want to read you these last few verses. It says, be strong and courageous, verse 7. This address at the end of 40 years as they go in, he says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9. I love verse 9. You can't just read it. You have to say it like a parent. Okay? Have I not commanded you? Have I never told you? Right? And it's not like, oh, not, it's not always an angry parent. Sometimes it's, it's a loving parent. There's two things here that he's reminding us of. It's like, don't walk away from my instructions. One. Two, be strong and courageous. You've got this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you sometimes. Man, I, I tell you, if it wasn't written on the screen, though, like how you got to fact check your preacher. You got to know. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Sounds like wherever you put your foot, you're going to have possession. There's some places where your foot is going and you are going there and you don't have all the possession you should have. Hey, friends, this is the last point of the day. This is it. Being careful to obey leads to possession. We get all excited. 2023, we're going to go possess some stuff. Woo, man, that was fire today. No, 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 no. Here's the fire in our lives. Here's the fire. Being careful to obey is the road to possession. And let's just be honest. Some of us, we don't even know what to obey, let alone how to be careful what to obey. There's some things that we haven't been obeying. And I don't have to list them right now. You know why? Because God promises us that his spirit leads us to truth. If his spirit is within you, it should be really loud. If you've not accepted Jesus, his spirit will still pursue you and say, hey, wake up, he's talking to you right now. The life you're getting ready to lead will have you dead. But I love you. And if you will come and obey, it will lead you to possession. Joshua owns those wells. He owns those riverbeds. He owns the city gates. He owns the grain. He owns the cattle. But he does not possess it. Our possession is never attained through energy of the flesh. If you're like, here we go. Your energy of the flesh will never get it for you. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit. You guys can come play keys. Go ahead, Finley. We're going to wrap it up. Here it is. I, I, I tell you some of these names. They're in the Bible of like places. And you're like, I don't even know if Johnny's pronouncing that right. Like, how do we know? Like, is he pronouncing that right? Doesn't matter. Here's what matters. Kadesh, the desert, that desert region, it's there. You can go there today. Here's why it matters that, that that's there. Because it's an exact location. Joshua and all of the people, when they went to spy on the land, it could have been an 11-day walk 
and they could have lived in the promised land. Now, if I told you we're going to take a trip, there's two ways to do it. Oh, we can walk for 11 days or we can walk for 40 years. Which one do you want? Simple question, folks. But yet, you, know, you know what I've chosen in my life time and time again? I've walked for 40 years in deserts. Paul said, I'm the chief sinner. I'm the worst sinner. I have walked in deserts for 40 years in places of my life. And it's just an 11-day 11, 11 journey. It's an 11-day journey. You know what happens when you get there? Conflict and conquest. The Spirit of God calls us in our innermost parts to say, we're going to go and do battle. What are you going to battle? Things of the flesh, bitterness, anger, jealousy, greed, lying, pride. You're like, I've never heard of those things. Come on. Like this, we, we have ownership to something that is so great, but we do not possess it. I think of some of the saddest things that ever happened in all of this text is ultimately when they finally take possession of the promised land, they only take possession of 10%. And some of us have been living our lives that way. We're like, I'm a Christian or I'm Christian-like or I know some Christian people and I'm living life and we got 10%. I tell you, if I've not had a Diet Coke in a long time. If, you, if I had a Diet Coke and you poured me 10% and, and a glass of are we in France? That's how they serve you Diet Coke in France. They bring you like a thimble. I've been to Europe one time. I tell that waiter, I want seven Diet Cokes and you find some ice because you're not gonna see them again. And they'll bring you seven thimbles. I know what 10% looks like. And some of us have been okay with 10% for too long. And he has died on a cross. Do you know what's so interesting? Moses couldn't lead God's people to the promised land. Why? Because Moses walked up the mountain. He walked up a mountain of law. He represents the law in the word of God. You know what the, wall, the, word, the law cannot do? The law cannot save you. The law has never saved anyone. The law reveals, it does not redeem. The problem is not with the law. The problem is with us who cannot keep the law. And what is most interesting is Yoheshua, Joshua, he walked up the mountain of the law. Just like someone else who, there's another person whose name sounds like Yoheshua. It is Yeshua, Jesus. Jesus also walked up the mountain of the law. You know how he did it? He lived 33 years and he never sinned. He never sinned. And when he got to the top of the mountain, he turned around and he looked at all of humanity and he said, you suckers, it wasn't that hard. What's your problem? Just don't sin. No. He came down the mountain of the law and there was another mountain that Jesus climbed. It was the mountain of Calvary. And he took all of my sin, all of your sin, all of the sin of the whole world up a mountain to Calvary. And he said, I will die once and for all to complete that which you could not do. And I have one simple question. If you've been living your life okay with 10% and you have ownership to love, joy, and peace, but the fact is you do not have possession of it because you do not yield it in battle. And the Spirit right now says, dear friend, dear friend, come back to me. Come into relationship with me. Start this year out say, I'll go to battle. I'll go to conflict because I want conquest. Because I want possession. Do you have ownership but not possession? I want to invite you to stand. We're going to sing. And this is scout time. 
This is spy time. May the Spirit of God take you by the hand and just say, hey, we're going to go to conflict in this area. Father God, as we sing this closing song, would you guide us to the area of conflict we are to engage in? By the power of your Spirit, would you call us back to a, a vibrant living faith that is, is in conflict so that we can have conquest, so we can have possession? It is in your name that these houses of worship say, bring us miracles. I want a miracle in my life of possession. It's in your name, Jesus, we sing. Church, let's lift our voices.